the rest of your companions can't, they fall away, mm. but only he can lead it. Why? Because he's walked it himself, because he has put himself and his, God has put his son to death. Mm. Jesus died because and suffered in our place. Mm. And that just, it, it brings the abstract, the 30,000 foot sovereignty of God. You're like, yeah. yes, I know that's true, which is, which is vital. Mm-hmm. But then it gives way to this, you know, you Personal. are with me. That's right. You're listening to Make and Multiply, a podcast devoted to equipping the members of Emmaus Road Church to make and multiply disciples of Jesus Christ in the city of Sioux Falls. The people of Emmaus Road are committed to regular rhythms of gathering and scattering. We gather corporately in worship on Sunday mornings. We gather in missional communities and discipleship huddles. We scatter throughout our city where we want to give every resident of Sioux Falls repeated opportunities to hear and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everybody, welcome again to another episode of Make and Multiply. Uh, my name is Matt Groon, pastoral resident at Emmaus Road Church. As always, joined with my dear friends Ryan Chase and Caleb Durenberger, pastor and pastoral resident at Emmaus Road Church, respectively. Um, and this week, our topic is it's a huge topic, so we're not going to try, try and exhaust it. Um, but the, the idea of suffering. Um, and I think the way that we're going to probably attack it this time, um, which is this is for sure one that we'll probably come back to in the future, just because mm-hmm. of the the nature of the topic. Um, but in this time, I think we're going to just see. I'm just going to ask you guys, and, and maybe Ryan will start with you, um, just personally, what has been a season in your life, um, either acute or chronic, um, where you've experienced intense suffering? Not not the suffering of like disappointment or mm-hmm. shoot, that didn't go how I planned it, but real, that, that, that type of suffering that kind of almost blinds you. Yeah. Um, and then maybe move Tell us a little bit about that and then move us in the direction of like, how has God walked you through that to where you are now? Um, yeah. So go ahead. Well, the things that stand out most prominently in my mind would be, um, the time beginning with the the twenty week ultrasound mm. when Barbara was pregnant with our twins, um, this would have been they were born in April of twenty twelve. They were born at thirty one weeks, um, and and that first ultrasound when they noticed something wasn't right, and then every ultrasound after that, something more was uh, wrong, concerning. That was an intense the beginning of of a an intense season of, of suffering. So when they were born, um, they had no ability to breathe on their own. So they were immediately intubated, um, and, you know, lived on ventilators and, and feeding tubes ever since. So, um, that began a whole season of, of parenting twins with severe special needs. And, um, I think, you know, the, the next season then would be when Isaac died at the age of three. That was in June of 2015. Um, we didn't expect either of them to live beyond one year. Mm. Um, so we can't say that his death was unexpected, and yet they had made it to their third birthday, and we were kind of carrying along. We had just uh, received as a, a gift uh, our wheelchair van, and we're able to get out of the house with two boys for the first time. Uh, we had just broken ground on 
a wheelchair accessible home. We were just thinking, all right, if this is going to be our life, we got to make the most of it for the sake of, of these boys. Mm-hmm. And then Isaac died. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was sudden and jarring and devastating. Um, and, and then I think just, yeah, zooming out more chronically prolonged, you know, Caleb is now 10 years old, wow. 10 and a half. And um, just incredible mm-hmm. how God has preserved his life and ways that he's grown and developed. And yet the ongoing challenge of his cares, Mm -hmm. what he needs um, and what that requires, as well as just always sometimes more at the back of our mind, sometimes more at the forefront, the thought, how long is he going to live? And living Mm -hmm. with that kind of anticipatory grief, um, Mm -hmm. it's just always there. And it, it never goes away. It's sometimes it's more pronounced than other times, but it's just a, a reality. So I would say through those things, we have been become much more acquainted with suffering than we had ever been or ever thought we would be hmm. in life. Um, and and certainly by God's grace, He's He's used that to sanctify us. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's it is an incredible thing to think. So I met I met you. Um, what was that, 2014, and the boys were two, almost three. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jamie and I got married, and we were actually going to move <laughs> like two blocks away from you. Yeah, we didn't right. move, you moved into our neighborhood. Right, in the neighborhood. And then Jamie and I got married June 5 um, of 2015 mm. uh, in South Carolina. We went on our honeymoon. The day we got back, I got an wow. email from, uh, we just, like, I literally carried her across the, <laughs> across the threshold, threshold and got an email from the principal at the school we were teaching at, and um, informed us that Isaac had just passed away the day before. Yeah. And that actually, Jamie's first introduction to you and Barbara was at Isaac's really? visitation. Wow. Which is wow. <laughs> a sweet, mm. hard, yeah. you know, thing, that relationship, that and maybe a good, uh, a God-ordained good that mm-hmm. comes out of intense suffering is relational uh, galvanization. Oh, yeah. um, and then out of that, we, and it introduced us to Emmaus. In a, in a way, because we hadn't gone yet. We hadn't even attended yet. We were wow. like a month away. I did not realize all that. And <laughs> we went to the funeral. Mm-hmm. And to see the church, um, Caleb, you were leading the music. Mm-hmm. Greg gave the, the sermon. It just had an effect. It mm-hmm. just had an effect. And mm-hmm. it stirred us to whatever's happening here. <laughs> we, mm-hmm. There is... And it's not because you guys were jolly and mm. like, hey, it's okay. We're not, we're okay. We don't talk about it. Yeah, we're good. Yeah. No, there was deep grief. Mm-hmm. And even just, you know, we just peripherally experienced that. Um, but mm-hmm. yet it was what Paul said, that we do not grieve as those without hope. Mm. And, you know, we say that when things like this happen and at funerals, but it just, it takes on a whole new flavor when you, when it's expressed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when there's actual hope. Yeah. Um, so that is... That's a, yeah. a sweet, yeah. Just, it introduced us to Emmaus in a way that had its effect. Mm-hmm. Um, wow! And just also to commend you guys, like, you know, I asked the question: What's been a season mm. of <laughs> acute or chronic suffering? And you and Barbara have been, as you described, had your toes on the edge of the abyss of suffering for ten years plus. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the example, like, again, one of the goods. God ordained goods of suffering is the is that the, to those who suffer well, the people in their sphere see it, mm-hmm. and they are their faith is deepened and mm-hmm. their faith is strengthened and their hope is infused of 
and it also gives opportunity to minister to one another. Yeah. Um, those yeah. times where, you know, we can cry together and we can point ourselves like and grieve together, mm-hmm. like real grief, and mm-hmm. then also point each other to the promises of God yeah. in due time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, and so by God's grace. That's, yeah, mm-hmm. to you and Barbara both for your long to have long suffered so much mm-hmm. and to do it has as well as you have. Mm-hmm. You know, it, I don't think I think you would say it has nothing to do with you got your guys's ability to just. Right. You know, stiff upper lip, we're, we're okay. No, it's the gospel mm-hmm. at work yeah. and had its effect that the ballast of your boat was set right yeah. <laughs> before you were pushed out into the storm. Yeah. Um, that's encouraging. Mm. Well, that's kind of you to say, mm. and and definitely a testimony ultimately to the power of God's grace to keep us, mm. preserve us, um, the power of his word to, to function in us, the the grace of God that he supplies to us through his community, through mm. his people, um, you know, belonging to a, a functioning, vibrant church community yeah. all these years is, is crucial. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've just commented often to one another, wh- where would we be, uh, mm. if, if it weren't for these people that we have been blessed to share our lives with yeah. through this. Yeah. So mm, thank you, brother. Gifts. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What about you guys? Gilb? Any thoughts? How well, yeah, I mean, I can speak personally for myself, but I, w- I was just going to make another comment, piggybacking off of that. Um, you know, some people, you hear some people say, like, how could they ever go through something like that and mm. survive? And a lot of people go through really hard things and don't survive. Mm. They, they're just lost. Um, I know people like that. And there's just that aspect of walking through things together. Um, like... I, you know, walking through that season with Ryan and Barbara at the beginning of the boys' lives, um, there it wasn't like we we're. I was seeing Ryan and Barbara at their greatest moments. I've, I've seen them at their worst moments, like really low. And yet, the fact that you're still thriving is not not like how could they? No, it's. I mean, yeah, how could they? There's only one explanation. That's right. The grace of God has carried you yeah. through the most intense seasons mm-hmm. of suffering. And that's, and like like you said, Matt, that is an example for others as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I had experienced suffering before that, but um, walking th- just in that season with Ryan Barber really prepared me for things that, you know, for things ahead. That's that's some, and that's what God does in His grace. You know, yeah. He writes think, amazing stories. Like yeah, that. He. And I, I can't remember who says it. Is it Piper or somebody? I mean, you should always be preparing for suffering. Mm-hmm. Just the reality, reality that it will touch your life at some point. And so God, by his grace, was preparing me in, in a long season of walking with you for... Uh, I just remember uh, on February 11th, 2019, I, I woke up, started my day reading God's word. And the the word I was reading that day was Isaiah 12, 2, which mm-hmm. is, Behold, God is my salvation I will trust and will not be afraid for the Lord God is my strength and my song and he's Mm -hmm. become my salvation. And I didn't know in that moment how instrumental that would, (laughs) that would carry me Mm -hmm. uh, in the rest of the day and in that season. Cause just like you guys, we had a 20 month or 20 week um, ultrasound appointment. And we found out on that day that our child's heart just stopped beating. And, Mm -hmm. um, and it was, it was a man. It it rocked us, and um, it's it's something like in those in those times, 
God's sovereignty is a great comfort. It, it really is. Um, but I think if it's only God is just holding things together and he's just strong and he's, you know, like Isaiah 12, he's my strength and he's upholding, <clears throat> that's one thing. But what God was addressing in me in that time was really, I was asking the question, but is he good? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I can, tr- I can trust God. You do all things on purpose. Everything is by your plan. None can stay your hand. This is by, this is from you and for you. And yet the question, but is he good? Like, is he is my, see how for my best interest, mm-hmm. is he really, can he really be good to me? And, um, that was, that verse anchored me in that time from thoughts of thinking you're not good. Yeah. Um, really it was a sweet time amidst heartbreak to be pointed to the reality that God, you are all my joy mm-hmm. <laughs> and pointed to the cross where Christ, where God did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. I mean, God's sovereignty and God's goodness just became such a sweet anchor to me in that season. Um, and it really was a preparation for even more because, <clears throat> you know, then, then started another, another season of just uncertainty surrounding my wife's health mm-hmm. um, because of the nature of how we lost our child. There were some really big question marks and big concerns that we had to really take seriously for, um, for grace because um, yeah, one step here or there could, could change things. And I, that was a season where I was asked, I mean, I was, I had legitimate fears of thinking, okay, I just lost a child. Now am I going to lose my wife? Mm-hmm. Like, we'd been not even been married for a year yet. And I was like, my, this precious good thing that God has given me, am I going to lose that now? Mm-hmm. And I would, it would keep me up at night just thinking, is this the last time, is this the last time we would talk? Is this the last time we'd see each other? Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. it was interesting. Ryan, you, you came out with a desire God post that week that we lost our child wow. actually, um, which was really timely. It was, uh, we, we can't grieve however we want. Yeah. That was such a helpful thing. Um, one thing that just stands out to me was p- pitting that season of suffering to a, a, a an earlier season of suffering in my life where, you know, I wasn't even saved. And yet there was just a lot of ripping and tearing and shredding to the point of God leading me to salvation. Mm. Um, but it still was suffering. It was still loss and it was still hard and hurting and brokenheartedness. Um, but Ryan, something you said in your um, post that week was, Pain does not justify sin. Only Christ can justify sinners. Mm-hmm. And that temptation in me to kind of go back to that whole, in that earlier season of pain and suffering when I was just like, I mean, I, I did not suffer well mm-hmm. in that season. I sinned. I I just, yeah, I gave into that that whole idea of pain, pain justifying sin, mm-hmm. um, not Christ justifying sinners. And so... That was timely because it only magnified even more just the worth of God in giving his son for sin. And it really prepared me for for that season that we would walk in of a lot of uncertainty around um, a loss yeah. and potentially more loss. Wow. So, Wow. It's amazing. Praise mm-hmm. God for his sustaining and his work in our lives in suffering. It reminds me of, I mean, there's when we think of suffering and the sovereignty of God, right? That's really what... It's one thing to talk. You can't talk about suffering without talking about God and His and His sovereignty and His glory and in His story writing. Right. Um, and as we think of it, you know, there's two ways to go of saying, you know, God is in our suffering, using our suffering to write better stories, mm-hmm. stories that 
you know, as we walk through them, think there's no way this is for my good. And yet, in the end, if we were able to look back on our lives, somehow, this is what Romans 8 is all about, somehow we would say, mm-hmm. we would have it no other way. Yeah. This mm-hmm. is for the, not only for my good, but for my best. Right. This is mm-hmm. how God is working to work all things. That's, and that, that takes faith. It really does just take Absolutely. faith to trust in. But also, not only, it's one thing to think, okay, God's up in the sky writing a story. That's good news to some extent and has an effect. But what about like right now? <laughs> mm-hmm. Where is he in my I think the psalmists, especially was that Psalm 88, where mm-hmm. the psalmist is just begging, God, where are you? Where have you gone? I, I, it's one thing to look up to God because notice he's speaking to God. Right. It's one thing to say to him, you know, I recognize where you are. I recognize that you are sitting on your throne, ruling over all things, that this is not out of your control. And that's that's a conviction that needs to be solidified before suffering. Yeah. But there's also just the question of where did he go now? Like, mm-hmm. and, and this came out a lot in my, I preached Psalm 23 a couple weeks ago and a couple months ago. And um, as I was studying, I just was like so affected by these, you know, a Psalm that we all know, probably our kids probably haven't memorized. Like Psalm, or we, when we were kids, we memorized. That's one of the first things we memorized was Psalm 23. The, the Lord is my shepherd. That's all good news. Um, but then when it gets to the reality of the walking through the valley of the shadow of death and that language, the valley of the shadow of death is, is meant to communicate the darkest of darks of darks. Mm-hmm. Um, in the first part of the Psalm, it's, you know, the, the Lord, he, third person out there. Yes, he's my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures, all of that. And then I was reading a commentary and he said, somehow the third, somehow the third person gives way to second person, the you. So he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Not because he is with me, but because you yeah. are with me. And I think what, what he said was um, the, the third person gives way to the second and somehow God gets closer. Mm-hmm. He, he's, not, he, he, he's not foreign. He, he can't, the road is not, he's not next to us. He's in front of us, mm-hmm. but he's walked a path. And this is what was so striking. The path through the valley of the shadow of death, only he can lead to. Lead, lead through. The rest of your companions can't, they fall away, but only he can lead it. Why? Because he's walked it himself, because he has put himself and his, God has put his son to death. Jesus died because and suffered in our place. And that just, it, it brings the abstract, the 30,000 foot sovereignty of God. You're like, yeah. yes, I know that's true, which is, which is vital. Mm-hmm. But then it gives way to this, you know, you Personal. are with me. That's right. And that, man, that that yeah. that affects me as yeah. I think through that, and, and it it registers hope in my soul when I when the when those waves of grief that are that are um, that just catch you off guard. Like in that same st- sermon, I told the story of last summer my uncle being uh, hit by a train as he was biking, um, which is just a ugh, just such a yeah. traumatic thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all these questions, like suffering, as, a, as another guy said, suffering inserts the question marks of life. And so now you start asking questions, like, what on earth? How, what, yeah. how is God good in this? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you think, you know, this was about a year ago, and, and for you guys, you don't, Isaac passed away almost, what, eight, seven, eight years ago? I mean, time goes on, but all of a sudden you just get whiplashed by grief in the ways that you weren't expecting. Mm-hmm. You have no idea. It just gets, it just hits you. And in those moments when it just feels like waves are like, and you just feel yourself almost go underwater. Um, 
to register that, no, God is here yet. Mm -hmm. He's with me in this. And even if, like the psalmist in Psalm 88 who turns to God and, and notice, like, right, I think you've preached on this psalm, and it's yeah. one of the most powerful sermons I've ever heard of notice it's Godward in its own grief. Mm. It's registering his grief with the only one who's able to hear it yeah. and the only one who can affect and give strength. Yeah. Um, and that, that's, that's comforting. Yeah, it's comforting, and it is edifying. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of the things that suffering does is it just it reveals and, and kind of proves what we're standing upon, what we're really standing upon. And if it if it's anything other than God himself, mm-hmm. we will just be swept away. And there are times we have been just swept away, and God in his grace brings us back. Um, I just think of like, you know, in James 1, James is saying, count it all joy mm-hmm. when you meet trials of various kinds. It's like, what, how do we, like, what's that supposed to mean? But he, he, there's an aim for it all, right? Um, he's, because he, it says, you know that the, the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Mm. There's, when, when we're, like you're talking about the psalmist, there's this wrestling that's actually happening. This, but there, it's, it's a Godward focused, yeah. are you there? Can you be trusted? Will you deliver me? Will you be near to me? Um, that we're, our faith is being, tested and strengthened in those moments there, you know, just like when we are lifting weights and our muscles are being stressed, mm. that's kind of like what happens with our faith and suffering. It's really stretched out so that it's stronger than it was before Yeah, because yeah, it produces stead- the, the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's the God working in, in it all. And he's working through your working as well of mm. wrestling through <laughs> all these things, trusting, um, so, yeah, there's a there's a keeping and a persevering aspect of yeah. that God does in and through our suffering. Yeah, suffering has the potential to it, God can wield that like an instrument mm. on us for our for our good, for our sanctification, our, our growth. Um, and yet, Caleb, like you mentioned, not automatically. Yep. It, it's not like everybody who suffers grows more mature. That's right. Some people <laughs> through their suffering grow um, more embittered yeah. against God yep. and everybody around them. And so you mentioned, you know, I think most of us can think of, we've encountered people like that who have suffered a lot and we can sympathize with that. And yet we recognize how hard hearted mm-hmm. and bitter yeah. they've become. And on the one hand, it, it seems understandable. And yet, right. um, yeah, the, the point of that post you referenced that I wrote for Desiring God is that it, the popular wisdom philosophy of the world is there is no wrong way to grieve. Mm. If, if you're suffering, if you're going through something hard, just let it out however you want to. And to the people around you, just let it, let it happen. Yep. Let it, exactly. Yeah. Sympathize with that. Yeah. Yep. And, and so, or, and even, you know, empathize, just right. jump down into the pit and wallow yeah. there with somebody. Yeah. When the reality is, no, no, we, we are still, even when we suffer, we are still responsible for our response mm-hmm. and you can respond sinfully when, when you suffer and sometimes you suffer because other people have sinned against you. Sometimes you just suffer, you know, tragedy, Mm -hmm. accident, nobody else is necessarily to blame. It's just, it is what it is. And, um, Mm -hmm. and you can, you can respond sinfully to that or, you know, James point when the reason there's a command there, count it all joy, because we don't necessarily automatically count it all joy. We right. have to be reminded, this is the right response. Yeah, right. This is the yeah. way, as God's children, you are called to respond. 
when you suffer. And then he gives reasons because otherwise, like you said, what does that mean? How could I possibly count it pure joy? It is nothing but joy when I meet trials of various kinds. How? Well, he gives reasons because you know, you, you, you know what God is doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what he's producing in you mm-hmm. through this. And so you know, that, that's just one of many passages in scripture where, mm-hmm. where God addresses these things that shape how we think about our suffering, how we interpret it, how we perceive God. And Matt, like you were saying, just the, the nearness of God in suffering, um, <laughs> it, it has a way of like just sharpening our senses. All yeah. of a sudden, everything yeah. just becomes so, so sharp and, and focused, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you just kind of, it's like time stands still Mm -hmm. when a a loved one dies and you you know, it's just this weird experience. Um, and yet when you're, when you're grieving, it's in those times that because you're so desperate, because it hurts so bad, um, you, you have, there is potential there to be much more aware of God and his presence and his goodness and your need for him than yeah. you ever are at any That's other right. time. You know, when life is good, it, it's easy to just be a little bit more flippant and a little mm-hmm. bit um, more disconnected from reality. And suddenly there's a death and you're just reminded, I'm mortal and I'm going to die. And um, and I desperately need God. And I've just found, you know, we sang... Um, when we we're recording this, it was last Sunday. We closed the service with that song, "Never Once." Mm. That's a song we sang at Isaac's funeral, mm-hmm. and um, I mean that song will always mean a lot to me because of that. But mm-hmm. I don't know if it's ever meant as much to me as singing it in a moment like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know. And so no it's other weird. <laughs> this weird, like looking back, thinking my experience of God and His presence and His goodness and His nearness in some counterintuitive way has been deepest mm. in those valleys, in those valleys, um, in the darkness. Mm-hmm. And that's incredible. That, that's, that's something I wouldn't trade for anything. Right. And it's because in that last line that you sing over and over, you are faithful. Mm-hmm. Like it takes singing that through tears to remind yourself yes. of the realities of that. Yeah. Yeah. And when that is galvanized in the depth of the, the, the depth of suffering, um, it produces, like you said, a, a, a lifelong reflection mm-hmm. on that truth. Yeah. And, you know, the truthness of it, the, tru- the truthness of it has not changed. Mm-hmm. God has, was faithful before that moment, yep. during that moment, and ever since. Yep. But it's in our own experience of, you know, the walking through the valleys and the walking up top out of the valleys and then back down into them that um, we need that constant. Yeah. And when, like I said, when, when galvanized with the emotion of doing that, it has a deepening effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. We need those, we need those macro realities when yeah. we really, a lot of times we really want the micro realities, like yeah. asking, well, why did that specifically mm-hmm. happen that way at that time? And, and God's only answer is because I'm good. Yeah. I mean, I'm just <laughs> thinking of at the end of James, James five eleven. he says, behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job. We just think of Job and his mm. suffering, <laughs> prime example. And you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Like there it is. There's that macro reality of what yeah. we need that anchors us through the storm and will continue to carry us God's through every. Character. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and, and in a lot of ways, um, you know, it would be wrong to devalue the importance of singing, "God, you are faithful." when everything is going well in my life. So right. on the one hand, w- when I have 
um, been singing those words, you are faithful, you are faithful, through the tears and the pain, mm-hmm. I, I can think this is, this is the deepest experience I've ever had of your faithfulness because I'm experiencing it right now. Mm. Then sometimes I sing that when life is good, and, it, and I don't have that same feeling, mm. but that doesn't mean it's not important because actually when you're singing, God, you are faithful, when life is good, yeah. you are strengthening mm-hmm. your preparing, soul preparing and yourself, you're preparing yeah. yourself yeah. for suffering, yeah. n- not in a, you know, some kind of a <laughs> dooms, you know, oh no, you know, it, it's coming, but, mm. but you are rehearsing these truths about yes. God um, that you will need. Yeah. And we don't know, none of us knows the future. And yeah. so the best thing for us to be doing all the time is always rehearsing these truths about God. Yeah. yeah. Last, last thought, last story before we sign off. But um, Ryan, you and I had a student um, at Sioux Falls Christian and she, she was in our class, probably one of our best and brightest. She was just yeah. the sweetest. And, but she grew up in a family that, or grew up in a, in a heritage and a tradition that didn't really hold the same view as we did of the sovereignty of God, especially as regard to suffering mm-hmm. and evil. Um, and as she walked through our courses, particularly in our doctrine courses about the greatness and bigness of God, she just had a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. And I just distinctly remember having her, she sat in my, my classroom with other, with other students after class, during lunch, after school, just asking, yeah. how does this work? And with a genuine desire to know. And as slowly over time, it became a, it became a solidifying conviction in her soul of, okay, God is sovereign even over suffering in general and what would become. So then fast forward, that was my last year of teaching. Uh, after that summer, I get about to move to South Carolina and get news um, that she has been diagnosed with a really rare form of really aggressive adrenal cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, she, and, you know, over the next six months, I think it was, she, she slowly died. And, uh, but the gospel that she put on, dis- like the, the display that she exhibited in her oh my. posts, in her talks, yeah. in her, in how she communicated herself in her death, mm-hmm. in what she knew was her death. Mm-hmm. Um, she died so well because she had been, by God's grace, had been con- had prepared herself yeah. well for suffering without even knowing it was coming six months witness. later. Yeah. And it, I think it's had a, a, an effect, in, first of all, in my soul. Mm-hmm. My vision of God has been strengthened by her testimony. Yeah. I think in her family it had an effect. Um, what, uh, you know, the death of a daughter, what could just destroy family, mm-hmm. um, has kept them from, I think, sinning and, and kind of destroying themselves. And just that idea of, Preparing to suffer well because yeah. n- when you're out in the storm is not the time to build the boat, right? That's or right. to shore up the the walls. It's when you're safe at harbor to yeah to to, to build that. And she repeated that line. It kind of became the slogan, um, her slogan in in her last days, mm-hmm. uh, for God's glory and for my good. Mm-hmm. And um, even this, yeah. And, and that was her view of her cancer. This is for God's glory and it's for my good. And that was such a powerful witness to so many people. Yes. And, and I just think, um, you know, I, I often end prayers that way. Mm. We pray this, God, for your glory and for our good. And, and I think of all the times I've prayed that way before class, mm. which is kind of, you know, you're just praying to start class and you, you sign off prayer like that. And, and I, you know, I mean it. And yet, again, it's one of those things like that is preparing us for yeah. it, the, 
her uh, proclamation of that truth from her deathbed mm. just resonates further and wider and with mm-hmm. more power than when I just end a prayer that way in front of a few people. And, and so just... You both know, are true. And yet one but both was land preparing her for that. Yeah. Like, that, that it's just an incredible yeah. um, reminder to us that the, these truths that we profess and confess together, um, they, they function. Mm. And so we're, we're always rehearsing that truth in preparation yeah. for um, God to be glorified in our living and our dying. That's right. Mm-hmm. Whether we live or die, may right. he be made much of. And we're thankful for Christ. And we're thankful that, you know, any suffering we might experience pales in comparison to the suffering he's already mm. walked through and triumphed over. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so he no longer is in the grave. That's right. Mm-hmm. He, he, God, raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of his throne. And there he rules yeah. and mm-hmm. is putting all enemies under his feet. So we have hope. We yeah. have uh, a, a hope unlike anything. Um, so in that way, we can, because we have hope, we can suffer well mm-hmm. and die well mm-hmm. with that hope in mind. So, so good. Thank you, boys, for both of your, your stories and uh, the example you've been uh, to me and to my family and to our church uh, in how to, to, to grieve Godwardly, <laughs> and uh, and to to wrestle uh, with God and not let Him go until He blesses you, mm. um, and just thank you so much. I think that the evidence is clear to our church, and I hope that this, even a conversation like this, would strengthen all of us to again prepare to suffer and to suffer well because of because we can because of the gospel and because That's of the right. Spirit. So, right. till next time, thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to Make and Multiply. If you have questions about anything related to discipleship huddles, missional communities, or gospel fluency, you can reach out to your missional community leader. And if you're not yet plugged into gospel community at Emmaus Road, visit us online at EmmausRoadSF.com.